Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Tabletop Theater. Last time, our heroes discovered the subterranean ruins of an ancient civilization. These ruins turn out to be a shelter known as Eden 5, built to preserve a time before an apocalyptic event, before the faith, and before the angels. However, the shelter hides more than the long-dead corpses of its former inhabitants, for the shelter was once home to humans, whose existence seems at odds with the angels' version of history. Not only that, but it is revealed that this facility is but one of five, one of which sits concealed somewhere within the Golden City. Our heroes face off against the strange entity which guards the facility, named Eve, who nearly causes the party to meet a similar fate of the shelter's previous inhabitants. With a second relic in hand and the second trial completed, the party attempts to make their leave, but is double-crossed by their Borgovian military escort. Now, Philip and his men have the poison gas of the facility, and hold the fate of our heroes in their hands. Will the party escape Philip's firing squad? Just what is going on within the faith? Let's find out. As you exit the toxic jungle, you are met with an unpleasant sight. Philip, and he is surrounded by the Borgovian military, who all have been waiting for you to exit the toxic jungle. Next to him is a canister of some of that toxic fumes that were inside of the Eden 5 facility. What do you do? I'm definitely going to turn to Siegfried. He's our... Yeah, I, I do as well. I think I, I cross my arms... Well, this isn't surprising. And I turn to Siegfried. I, I turn to Siegfried for guidance. I will put my hands over my gun in my holster, not not drawing my weapon, but uh, on edge. Yeah, I think I think uh, I'll, I'll I'll be in a similar stance, hand on sword, ready to pull it out, but not not aggressively. So you've seen the stance. Yes. As you do so, Philip kind of raises his hand, you know, and his men kind of stand at attention and begin pointing the rifles at you, and he sneers at you, and he says, Well, it looks like this is finally the end of your sniveling little group. Now, I've been waiting to do this this whole time. Men, prepare to... But then he's interrupted by one of his own men, who points out that there is a train quickly approaching, and everyone seems a little tense about what's going on. They seem confused. And eventually the train comes to a hissing stop fairly close to you all. And not one single person exits. In fact, one might describe it as an army begins exiting from the train. It's immediately recognizable that these are not Borgovian troops. They are people from the country that you're all from, of Chimera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Siegfried turns and he smiles to you and he says, uh, Sorry about that before. I was... Uh, a little delayed, I had to send out a little message to make sure to cover our tracks on our exit. I called in a little favor with Queen Judith. You know how she she is, and he gives you a little wink. Oh, Siegfried, aren't you clever? When did you have the time to do that? Yes, Siegfried, when did you have the time to do that? Well, when I was looking for the gas mask, I was also looking for the, the uh, radio man that they said was down before, if you remember. Ah. Yes. A woman, an imperious-looking woman, who's clearly the officer in charge of this force, begins walking steadfastly towards, without a fear in the world, uh, towards Philip. And she gets right up next to him, and she draws from a small sheath a very thin dagger that she places very close to his neck, making him bend his head backwards as it presses against him. And she says, Now, if you don't want to get the shave of a lifetime, I suggest you, and all of your troops... Get the fuck out of here. That's one. His men seem kind of unsure what they should do, and she whispers to him, and you can just barely hear it. You know, Emperor Omsk is just waiting for any opportunity to see who wants to draw blood first. Firing on Chimerian citizens, now that. Now that would be an act of war, don't you think? And Philip just gulps. You see his Adam Adam's apple trembling Ooh. at this moment. Is it scaly, or is only his bottom half? No, it's, it's a little scaly. Um, and he backs off. And he 
spits on the ground, says, Rotten country full of human lovers. You all get yours once and soon enough. And he backs away. And he goes with his forces. Ta-ta, dear. He kind of Have a nice life. <laughs> he snarls at you. And he turns and leaves. All right. Well, this isn't the only reason Captain Illyria is here. She turns to your group and she says, I'm afraid that I don't come here just saving the day. You've all immediately been summoned back to the capital. Urgent business. You're wanted for... You're wanted for further investigation into the murder of Pride. Hmm. Have we met Captain Illyria before? I mean, you recognize this person as uh, like a high-level captain in the Chimerian military. You've come across her just through your escapades as a mercenary company working for the government. You know, so it's not unheard of that you would have met her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what your opinions are of her, but she's generally a kind of imperious and cold woman. I mean, she just saved our butts, so yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Time uh, to hit the old dusty trail. <laughs> Ch- Chosh is actually gonna uh, grab Siegfried uh, in close, and he's gonna look at him, and he's gonna say, "The only reason we're all together is to complete the trials of faith. We spent enough time dwaddling in the city. I don't intend to go back." Dwaddling. Um. I would say that Captain Illyria is pretty close to you still. And well, Chosh will go for it. Oh, that's fine. I'm going to... She, she, she interrupts you, though. Yeah. And she says, Well, that's just the thing. These orders don't come from Queen Judith. I received a direct communication from the Angel of Righteousness to have you brought in. Little Lola? <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so. And you all board the train and begin the lengthy journey back to the Golden City. As you disembark from the train, you notice that the Golden City has visibly changed, both not just in a kind of subdued sense, but just in general, there seems to be a lot more police forces about. These same metallic statues come to life that were guarding the palace before are now walking the streets rampant, as if looking for anyone who could possibly be committing a crime right now. The city seems to be on high alert. Hmm. As you disembark the train Siegfried turns to Drifter and he says to you all excuse me would you uh give me a moment to speak to Drifter alone of course by all means uh, what can I do you for well I mean I don't know what exactly we're going in for at the moment but uh it seems that this is your last job you're free to go but well First things first, here, he reaches into his pocket, and he withdraws a very large stack of bills. They're like a salmon-colored, you know, that's what the the color of money here is. Uh, And he says, well, uh, I know I wasn't going to pay you for these jobs originally, but uh, I think 5,000 would cover all three. And then he pulls out a knife. It's a very ornate knife. It's golden. Almost, there's even like a jewel inlaid into it. There's strange symbols and in a language that is very old. Um, but you only really know one word on that. And that is a name. Angelo. And he says, you know, when you first tried to steal this knife from me, I wondered why. You wouldn't answer me. And it really bugged me for quite some time. I didn't put it together until last time we were at the Capitol, and I had some downtime with Chosh being dead and all. To really look into it. I'm sorry I didn't realize, you know, there's only, uh, I didn't realize that anyone in that family was still alive. Yeah, I try to, I try to keep it that way. Well, it's only right that I return it to you, and hence why I'm paying you. It would be unfair to not pay you for that. You aren't, you aren't indebted to me, and I don't want that you to bear any ill will towards me. I've grown, I've grown fond of you, Drifter, and Frankly, I'd like you to continue with my employ if you're so interested. I feel that, you know, those times we don't see eye to eye, but I feel that you often understand things that we don't. All right. I appreciate the gesture, Siegfried. And I'll take the knife, and I'll take the cash and put it in my pocket. You don't have to decide now. You can 
Sleep on it. All right. I'll be back tomorrow. All right. You return to the group. As it turns out, only two of you are actually being requested to go to the capital. Mm-hmm. Into the uh, main, the Tower of the Angels. Uh, and it is Siegfried and Shosh. Um, so we're going to go to what you're all doing in the meantime in the city. We're going to start with Lola. Hooray. Uh, who are you spending time with in the city and what are you doing? Well, I suppose I'd like to ta- spend some time with Hildy and Robin. Okay. As Josh and Siegfried are taken away. And uh, perhaps explore the open markets of the city. Okay, what are you looking for in particular? I suppose just to... Just adventure. We're not usually in the big city, and I suppose just to see the wares of the common folk and, you know, see a fish flying through the air. Oh, give me this fish. Oh, I got you this fish. Oh, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just for a bit of adventure, a are bit you of looking, lighthearted are fun. You, are you looking to sell something? Are you looking to buy something? Is it, it's un- what lighthearted. What are you fun. buying? Are you, what are you selling? <laughs> well, are you, are you, or what are you, are you looking for any particular merchants or anything? Uh, or just an activity? Just give me something to work with. Can just give me a moment to think about it. Okay, if you prefer, I can go to somebody else first. No, 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 no. Well, uh, uh, I wasn't thinking of selling in part- anything in particular. I, I thought you wanted to do something with the uh, um, stuff you got at Eden Five. Oh, I guess I have that doll. And you have a coat thing, the jumpsuit. The jumpsuit. Yes. Um, I wasn't thinking of selling it, but um, maybe. I mean, so. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, Hildy and Robin and I are out adventuring mm-hmm. through the markets, you know, trying samples of little cakes and yeah, you like how you go over pies. Yeah, you go over to like hat shops, you know, that are on the streets, and you all put on funny hats, and maybe there's mm-hmm. even like uh like different masks you try on at one mm-hmm. point, you know, just just fun. I imagine Hildy goes in, and uh, or no, I imagine Robin goes in. <clears throat> uh, and we have a whole makeover scene and yes. then the clerk is like makeover. I don't think you can afford these, this ladies <gasps> and then we go to the shop across the street like, and get all these clothes and we come back and like Robin like uh, whips out a huge wad of bills and just is like a I'm assuming mistake. I'm assuming before big. that happens I'm assuming there's a whole uh, dressing room scene where she comes out of the dressing room with different outfits that, this is what I'm and you're shaking your head no yeah. and then she comes out oh. and like and and there's one scene where Hildy's shaking her head yes and Lois shaking her head no yeah, and yeah. then Hildy sees that Lois shaking her head no and, and she then changes, changes it yeah. Yeah. changes it to a no <laughs> so we just have a I mean no it, it's not quite like this but yes uh, we have a, a day out on the town and I imagine maybe just the gal pals gal yeah, pals just the gal pal. I think Robin really appreciates this time with you mm-hmm. you know that she gets to spend kind of with you and mostly Hildy obviously but you know it's uh, it's it's really good to just bond over this you know, experience. As Hildy and Robin and Lola are wandering through the market, mm-hmm. um, walking through the streets of the capital, uh, do we happen to come across as many as many unfortunate souls as we encountered on yeah. our last visit just a few days ago? Yeah, you definitely notice like an increase of of like kind of deplorable people about town um but a lot of them were kind of being like rounded up and pushed around by the uh these like the statued policemen we that are going around that? yeah you definitely notice them are they are they just going willingly uh not generally they kind of put up a fight but like these are basically constructed policemen they're pretty hard to resist they're very strong robin hildy we must do something these poor souls are already living on the streets they they can't just be rounded up and taken who knows where. I don't know what you uh, expect me to do about it, Lola. I mean, it's, they're run by the angels. You want to you wanna start something with them? I think we're already in enough trouble as it is. Siegfried's been summoned by, uh, Siegfried's been summoned by righteousness. Who knows? Well, Hilti, you must agree. This isn't, this isn't right. Oh, uh, it's, it's definitely not. No, it's, it's terrible. I, th- I I I thought we uh, 
When I joined the faith, I, I thought we were supposed to help people. Help the needy, of course. Not take them away. Never to be seen again. You know what? You're right. And uh, Hildy goes over to one such of these individuals who seems to be in the process of getting pushed around by one of these policemen. And I follow her. Um, and she kind of like flashes her uh, like cleric symbol to the police officers, and they stand down. And she like goes over to like the kind of roughed up vagabond, and she like you know puts her hands on him and starts like healing like uh, some of his wounds, saying like it'll be all right. Here, well, here, come come with me. I'll I'll take you to a I'll take you to a shelter. Wow, Hildy, that's impressive. And as the guard just stands by? She is a cleric of the faith, so she has some degree of authority. Mm. Excellent. Um, yeah, she, she, she says, uh, uh, Robin, um, would you mind coming with me? I wouldn't mind some help. And Robin says, uh, uh, sure. Uh, what about, um... Uh, Lola, do you, uh, I, didn't Siegfried say that he needed you? Back at that tower later on? Lola, didn't uh, he say that? Uh, it's okay, I can stay with Hildy. It's all right. Uh, 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 yes, Robin, he most certainly did. And I shall leave you too. I, I'm sure you can assist this, this poor fellow, uh, to a safe place of refuge. Um. I shall return back to the central tower, where I am expected, most definitely. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Mm. Why, why are you two talking like that? I'm just oh, kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not, that's not a thing. Toodle you, dears. Robin says, later. Um, Hildy doesn't actually say bye. She seems kind of intent about what she's doing. Strangely um, involved for once. So we're going to go now to Chosh and Siegfried. That's me. Chosh, you're walking with Siegfried into the uh, tower. And he says to you, you know, Chosh, uh, I'm a little apprehensive about this, but uh, I was really worried for you back there. I really thought that might have been the end. You already died once. I mean, I don't know if I can stomach you dying a second time. Chosh, he'll just keep his uh, head down and uh, say, yeah, well... We should all try to avoid that, I think. He suddenly stops walking, and you almost bump into him. And he turns around and he says, You know, Josh, uh, very fond of you. Very. It's, it's, you know, it's very hard to be close to anybody else in the world. Even, I mean, I'm good friends with Lola. She's been with me for so long, but, you know, you're the only other human I've ever really known. We're closer, frankly, than brothers, really. He puts his hand on your shoulder. He's a little bit uncomfortably close. Really? Chosh isn't going to move away or towards or, or really move at all. And he'll just sort of tilt his head at Siegfried a little bit and ask, why? He smiles good-naturedly at you and he says, takes his hand off of you and he says, well, no particular reason. You just, you know, shared experience, you know? You and I, very much alike in a lot of ways. Never mind, don't worry about it. And he uh, he begins walking, and you both enter into uh, Righteousness's chamber. He's this big area. It's very ornate. There's He's the only angel who has, like, a secretary, and she is very inattentive. She's, like, filing her nails. There's a whole bunch of people waiting to see him. <laughs> he's She's just a colossal, colossal jerk. And Siegfried comes up and he says, Excuse me, Minerva. I believe we have an appointment. And he produces a flower. And gives it to her. He says, Oh, Siegfried, you're such a charmer. He's right. He'll be right with you. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes, Josh, so you have to do, you got to grease the wheels a little bit to get through things, you know. Um, and you, 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 both, and you both enter into uh, Righteousness's chamber. And, you know, Righteousness, his face is a weird M.C. Escher-like square that seems to be turning in on itself. Yes. So you never really can gauge how he's feeling. Right. And he speaks to you and he says, Excellent. Josh, Siegfried, I'm glad you're here. This issue is incredibly pressing. We've located the person who organized the assassination, and you two are now being tasked with their elimination. This information is incredibly sensitive. You must not discuss it with anyone outside of your group. 
Only them. I'm sorry to say that, frankly, the person behind it all surprised us all. He kind of stands up and starts pacing. He seems somewhat disturbed. And I'm afraid it was one of us. This duty might be a little difficult for you both, but consider it almost a trial in and of itself. We have overwhelming evidence that it was the angel of charity behind this entire endeavor. You are now being tasked to eliminate her. Eliminate her? Yes, I'm afraid it's a dirty business, and I apologize for sending both of you to do this. Your tool will be this, and he gestures to a case. He doesn't seem to want to touch it. In fact, one of there's like a marble statue that comes to life. It picks up the case and brings it over to Siegfried, and it pops it open. And inside is a knife. This knife looks similar to the demonic corruption you saw before, and it looks sort of like the bullets that Lola had picked up before as well. He gestures for Siegfried to take the knife. He picks it up and he says, Your task, unfortunately, is to eliminate Charity. And once you have done so, you must return this knife. In addition to collecting all of her faith. You recall, when Pride died, he also lost all of the faith, all of the faith that everyone had in him. You are to collect that and bring it to me when you are finished. What will you do with the faith? It will be divided amongst the remainder of us. And you, at this time, notice that on his desk, you see that when the other angels have perished, some of the other angels took up their responsibility. So you see that the angel of righteousness has been the angel of righteousness, of wrath. And you've noticed he actually has another title, of pride. Mm. So he has assumed the duties of pride now. Right. He says to you, after you do this, Charity's faith will be given to another angel, most likely greed. Now, you have a job to do. I expect you to do it. And Siegfried, like, nods his head. He takes the knife, and he begins walking out. As you turn to leave, Chosh, he says, Chosh, wait. And he goes very close to you, and he says, Chosh, I need not remind you how important this is. If any harm were to come to Siegfried, it would be on your head. Were to reflect terribly, not only on you, but upon diligence. Do you understand, Chosh? This is no laughing matter. You make sure Siegfried comes back in one piece, whatever the cost to yourself. Uh, Chosh will look up at Righteousness. And uh, say, the job will be completed. He places his hand on you, and you feel like a warmth, and he says, I'm glad to hear that, Josh. You're always so reliable, so diligent. And he turns, and you go. Josh has a invisible smile under his helmet. Drifter, considering everybody else is gone, it's you and Brock now. Oh, Brock's with me. Well, everybody else is gone, yeah. You didn't want to go hat shopping with us? That's fair. Well, he's, he's I'm got sure a we, Lola invited them all. Maybe maybe she's a bit hesitant with Brock, but... That's fair. I think most people tend to be. So you're with Brock. <laughs> um, hey, uh, hey, Brock. Um, what do you say? I got a contact. Hard Nolan. Hard is his name. I want to go see what he has to, what he knows. You can keep a low profile for me? Hey, come on. Whenever I'm not taking a low profile. He, uh, he's, he's like obstructing traffic in the entire street. It's just <laughs> terrible. Like pe- people are like honking horns of their, of their rudimentary automobiles at him. Griffin's going to pull him into the sidewalk and look him in the eyes and say, I mean it. These guys mean business. All right. All right. Jeez. Um, right, let's go visit my buddy Harg. Um, Harg. You go to visit Harg. He's in an unsavory area of town in like a bar that's in a side street that's underground. As you as you walk past the street, you see the similar like metal guards kind of harassing like the lower class people here, you know, um, trying to like on any suspicion, they seem to be trying to bring these people in. But you go inside this bar and you meet Harg. He's a he's a strange man. His face is kind of insectal insectoid kind of looks like a he's got the big kind of like flyish eyes kind of looks like a half he's like a half elf half fly man and he says so drifter it's good to see you i have a little bit of information that you've been asking me to poke around for here i heard of a little shop down on east and pontificax go there and you'll find what you're asking it's a little well you looked for a puppet right this is a puppeteer shop uh, thanks a lot there harg and he's gonna pull out one of those bills that he was just given by siegfried 
He says, oh, thank you, Drifter. It's always so nice to have such good friends. <laughs> I'll be seeing you. And then he takes a swig from his drink. Always the charmer, Drifter. All right. Brock, you with me. All right, thanks. Having consulted with your underworld contact, you've located a suspicious kind of puppet shop that you suspect is likely a provider of these puppets to this group. You arrive and you find that the shop has been boarded up and it's been closed. Is is there a back? Yeah, you could go to the back. Um, you you notice that there's a door there. All right. Um, Drifter's gonna you know look around, make sure everything is is uh, is good. No one notices. He's gonna he's gonna try the door. The door is locked. All right. He's gonna try and pick that. Okay. Uh, why don't you <laughs> why don't you roll nine? It's actually not enough. Your lockpick breaks. Actually, you realize that someone might have jerry-rigged the lock there to make it very difficult to open. And Brock says, hey, that's not nice. Don't you think you should uh, knock first? Uh, he hands you his hammer. <laughs> Why don't you try? Wait, wait, hold on. Let me inspire you with a little ditty I just came up with. <clears throat> me, 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 me. His thighs are a well-tuned machine. His pecs, with his sweat, how they gleam. Whose name is most admired? Whose wit and whose jests are inspired? His voice, like a full church choir. As for loving, his service is most desired. Oh my god. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, who needs brains when you've got Brock Braun? My biceps and triceps. With work and some luck, you too can be huge. Just think of the girls you will. Uh, as he hits that high note right there at the end on that word that we all know what he's going to say, um, Drifter is going to hit the hammer against the glass and break it, masking the sound of the <laughs> glass breaking with that high note. Very good. That that Brock, Brock definitely nailed. He nailed it. You 100% nailed it. You uh, bust down the door, and uh, you're inside. It looks like the uh, place hasn't um, seen too much business lately. Everything's closed up. You see a lot of puppets. It's kind of disconcerting how many puppets are in here, frankly. A lot of string all over the place, and you're looking around. Why don't you just roll an investigation check, see if you find anything. I wanted to call that a 12. Okay. Sifting through the papers, you notice that there is a journal. It's like a order sheet, you know, like a book of orders. Yes. And you notice that many of the pages have been pulled out. A lot of the recent pages. But only one really remained at the end. And it seems to be commissioning a very large puppet. Not humanoid at all. Seems to be like almost like an enormous scorpion-like creature. About 30 feet large. That's a big puppet. It's That's a big puppet. awesome. Is it for a play? Yeah, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. It's interesting you ask. It's it's contracted to says to the World Fair. Ah, yeah. Um, that's kind of odd, though. Yeah, the World mean, Fair is not for a while. He's gonna take that page and and hold on to that. As you rip the page and possibly by all of the uh, noise and beautiful singing that was going on, you. Uh, I'm assuming it's done by now. Oh, it's done. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's done. Ah, uh, uh, the uh, oh, bra. You hear you hear something moving in the room. Okay, I'm gonna look. Yeah. At what's moving. In that general vicinity. Um, okay. Roll a perception check. 12, we're going to say. Uh, it seems to be a person. Ooh. Um, and they are, they seem to have been uh, trying to move into this room kind of undetected. Who goes there? You hear a scream. A woman pops up. She's dressed in an outfit that you instantly recognize through your constant encounters with the police as a uh, policeman. And in fact, a detective. The person jumps at you and uh, draws a gun. She says, who are you? What are you doing in here? I this is a crime scene. I could ask you the same question. What? She says, do you see this? This is a badge. Do you not understand what that means? Are you dunce? Clearly he is. <laughs> pointing to Brock? Yeah, she's pointing to Brock. That's fair. <laughs> what are you doing in here? Uh, my partner and I are PIs. Uh, we were asked to investigate this crime scene. Roll deception check. Absolutely, we'll do. Good lord, fail that one. Uh, what? <laughs> Roll the seven. Uh, she says, "No one has been put on this case. Everyone's been banned off of it." Oh yeah. No, you're obviously not. Everyone's been banned from this case. Everyone. Shouldn't have said that. 
Anyway, uh, uh, she we, puts we were gu- just leaving. She puts her gun away. Says, who sent you here? How do you, how much do you know about this? And she holds up a piece of paper with the eye that's bleeding. All we know is that it goes to the top. Charity. I've heard that same thing, but I don't buy it at all. Sorry, the name's Catherine. Catherine Hayes. Nice to meet you, Catherine. You can call me Lieutenant Hayes. Oh, I'm Drifter, and this is my buddy Brock. Yes, I surmise that. Now, what exactly were you two thinking to accomplish? And then suddenly, there's an explosion. The building is immediately caught fire. Oops. As if someone threw a Molotov cocktail. Oops, oops. Uh, I'm going to run over to Catherine, see if she's okay. She's fine. I mean, the building is just now on fire. All right. Well, um, I'm going to kind of lead her out. Okay. As you exit the burning building, you notice a person in the alley has been knocked over. Yeah, I just kind of point him out um, to Brock, and then I'm sure Catherine will also see that there's a man lying on the ground to go investigate. Okay. Do you guys go over to them? Yeah. Okay. You just rush over to him. I think Brock uh, rushes over there, and he says, like, which way do they go? And the guy, he, like, points to the right, and Brock just starts running off. What happened? He says, uh, well, uh, I was just uh, supposed to deliver this to a... To a, a guy named Drifter and a guy named Brock, they're supposed to come. A guy named Siegfried told me that they needed to report to the tower. Um, and then these th- three people, I, I didn't really get a good look at them. But one of them was like a really well-dressed guy and uh, kind of slender. Uh, another one was kind of like a like a masked person, and the other one really hairy. And they, they just threw they threw like a they threw some fire at the building, and it just caught fire. Appreciate it. And he's going to grab the uh, the envelope or whatever he's holding. Um, and kind of wondering himself how Drift, how uh, Siegfried knows where we are. But, you know, put off the off the side for now, I guess. Did yeah, this. yeah. She, she turns to you and says, so, friends of yours, these people who uh, just destroyed this crime scene? Yeah, we go back a ways, you could say. <clears throat> well, that looks to be a letter from the angels. That's an angel seal. You should probably hurry back. We'll keep in touch. Drifter, was it? Yeah. I'll find a way to contact you. Here's my carrier we'll be pigeon. I'll see you around, <laughs> His Catherine. name is Robert. <laughs> I'll see you around, Catherine. She kind of smiles at your cheeky use of her name. So all of you somehow managed to uh, arrive all at the... Yeah. Can I say... Can I just end the scene just saying one more thing to Robin? I'm sorry to keep adjusting it. No, it's fine. It's the last thing, though. Okay. Um... <laughs> Well, in the meantime, while you're escorting this pal- while you're escorting this man to a safe place, I will be sure to talk with Siegfried. I will be sure to. I will be certain to talk with Siegfried as soon as I see him about what's going on in the streets here in the capital. For it is absolutely abhorrent, abhorrent, abhorrent. Uh, she nods at that, in agreement. So, the, so, Lola, Chosh, Drifter. You're all back at the uh, Tower of the Angels. You're all with Siegfried. And you're all standing at the very top of the tower, on the gardens, where all of the temples are. Stealing yourself for a job that you've just been explained what you need to do. Oh, so we have, we all know what's going on. Yes. Siegfried has explained to you all, Siegfried has explained to you all what's going on. Um, And he kind of turns dutifully towards the Temple of Charity with you all. Um, and he walks towards the door, and he tries opening it. It's locked. He says, Drifter? Those bastards. He says, Drifter, would you mind uh, opening this, please? Wait. Siegfried, can't we just talk this over one more time? Don't you think it's a little drastic to assume that she has anything to play in this? What did you exactly the say? The order came from the Archangel himself. There's yes. nothing more to be discussed on the matter. I understand the desire for more questions. I understand it more than you. Well, I take offense to that. Yet you're going along with it. We don't have an option in this point. They said they, they... I've been ordered by righteousness. They have 100% proof that Charity was behind this assassination. Such as... They've apparently located documents inside of her room that have implicated her as organizing the entire event. But she's a chair. She. 
But Siegfried, she's an angel. He just turns. Drifter, the door. Do we know Char- uh, Charity's inside? Yes. Okay, then never mind. Uh, Drifter's going to go ahead and try and pick that lock. Um, go ahead. 17. Again? 17's very good. You pop open that lock. You pop lock and drop it. <laughs> um, you open the door. This is very tense. Into a hallway. It's a beautiful area. It's marble. Beautiful, ornate carvings line the walls of a Charity herself. Statues depicting some of her acts and her charitous deeds to the poor and suffering. And at the end of the halls, there's no secretary like righteousness. It's fairly small. It's almost like a hallway in a way. But the end of this hallway is a door that's somewhat ajar and a man in full black armor who seems to be talking through the door. And as you open the front doors, he turns to you all and he says something into the room and he closes that door and he turns and he faces you all. He doesn't wear his helmet. He has an enormous sword and shield. And he just waits as you all start to approach. Siegfried then says, as you are about five to ten feet within the man, as you are about ten feet, as you're ten feet away from the man, Siegfried stops and he says, Sir Frederick, please step out of the way. You need not be involved in this. And Sir Frederick says, this is beyond you, boy. And he puts on his helmet. You can all roll for initiative. If you don't want to be involved in this, don't roll. I'm resigned. I think that's good. That's a good choice. Yeah? I have rolled. Okay. Did you roll? I have also rolled. Okay. What'd you get? I got an eight. What'd you get? 19. Wow. Drifter, you start off. What do you do? Drifter is actually going to take the diplomatic route and go to Frederick and say, we just have some questions we need to know about this symbol. And he pulls out a drawing of the symbol. Sir Frederick responds and he says, funny thing about the gods, you keep their secrets. Some of those, some of those are worth dying for. Fair enough. And then Drifter is not going to attack. He's going to look first to to Siegfried and Josh as they're see what they do. He uh, draws his sword. He puts on his shield. He just waits, though. He doesn't make any moves towards you all. I know I didn't roll. Can I roll? Like, I, I feel like yeah. it's rude of me to interrupt. I took up 14 and plus 2, 16. Is that... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I mean, you could just pop in right now. What did you want to do? I'm going to... I'm going to take a breath and place a hand on Siegfried's shoulder and say, Dear, I know you were given orders, but are you sure this is what you're meant to do? Don't you know that Charity has saved your life? Charity hasn't saved my life? What are you talking about? Are you? I'm sorry, are you actually... Like, don't you know... No, not, not the angel. I was, sorry, I wasn't sure if this was like... A, a don't you know that your, your life... Don't you remember that your life has been spared by the virtue of charity in the past? Doesn't that mean nothing to you? Are you actually referring to like something? It's referring to how he almost died and like how I opened up, like I took pity on him. Oh, you're referring to that. Okay. Yeah. Your own act of charity. Okay. I, I, it I doesn't really mean. Why don't you say? Aren't you? Why don't you say it as like saying my own? How, aren't you? Weren't you okay. once saved by an act of charity or something like that? Something to that effect. Okay. Siegfried. Dear, are you, are you sure this is what you're meant to do? I know you were given orders, but don't you remember that your own life was spared by my act of charity? Is that virtue not worth... We're not talking about an angel of virtue anymore. We're talking about one who's gone astray. One who would murder. Unabashedly. Wouldn't it... Wouldn't it be worth talking to her, just confronting her before you kill her? I will talk to her before we do anything. Sir Frederick, step out of the way. Sir Frederick does not step out of the way. Damn it. Sir Frederick, I am asking for the last time. Josh, as my friend... As my, as the arbiter of diligence, 
We have to do what must be done. Stand out of the way, Sir Frederick. But he does not. Siegfried draws his sword, but not his rapier. He draws the holy sword that he was given, judgment. It's a beautiful, immaculate sword. It gleam, it, it glows with radiant light. It has the religious symbol imbued inside of the, the hilt that almost kind of looks, you know, it's that sicklish kind of image. It looks sort of like an eye. And that kind of gazes into the room in a way. And do any of you uh, do anything? As your commander... As your commander, no, I won't ask you to do this. This is my burden to bear alone. And Sir Frederick responds to this finally. And he says, at least you fight fair. He moves towards Siegfried and he attacks him. There is a flurry of blows from Sir, uh, from, there's a flurry of blows from Sir Frederick. Despite the size and weight of his armor, as well as his sword and shield, he moves incredibly gracefully. The greatest swordsman you frankly have ever seen. Siegfried is quite good. He's fast. He's, he tries every opening he can possibly get, but he's not good enough. It's immediately clear that he is not good enough. Within a minute, he's lost the holy sword, knocked out of his hand. He's been forced to draw his rapier instead and is barely fighting off Sir Frederick until that too is broken in an almighty swing and Siegfried is forced against a wall. At this moment, Sir Frederick begins an almighty swing towards Siegfried. Stop! And I cast Peacebound. Okay. So I will do... I will roll against that. This almighty sword. Um, the sword doesn't go back into its sheath, but it seems like the man is fighting strongly against the force of your spell. You can see his hand is inching towards him. Sir Frederick, stop! He is not willing to. Um, Drifter is going to pull out a gun. I would like to go... To somebody else right now um you can see that the enchant you can see that the enchantment is, is failing quickly and it won't be long before he has continued his swing josh on the ground is judgment the holy sword just cast aside in the fight what would you like to do sir frederick's back is to you his all his intensity is focused entirely on Siegfried. Chosh is going to move in one motion to pick up the sword and run it through Sir Frederick, looking at his sword, looking at his shield, and whisper into Sir Frederick's ear, it's so easy to get lost following someone, isn't it? The sword cuts through his armor like butter, like it wasn't even there. It goes straight through him, pierces out the front of his neck. His blood gushes from the wound, and he struggles to even breathe, let alone speak. He clutches at the wound. He falls to the ground. He looks at you. He looks at Siegfried. His last words are choked. I'm sorry. My lady. And he's dead. The white, beautiful sword of judgment is coated in the blood of your childhood hero. And you stand above his body. Drifter is going to run over to Siegfried, who is pinned against the wall and I'm assuming like dazed in a way. Certainly. And kind of hold him up and see how he's doing he's shocked you can see on his beautiful white armor that was so pristine before full of chinks and scratches now is also covered in the blood of sir frederick and And he uh, seems a bit out of it yeah you kind of slap him about and he kind of comes to and he pushes you off He walks into the room. He walks over to the door. He pushes it open. You see Charity there. Um, She turns, smiling, expecting to see Sir Frederick. She looks at the blood-covered Siegfried. She can see through a crack in the door, between him and the door, 
the body of Sir Frederick lying on the ground. She doesn't say anything. She just starts crying. And Siegfried walks over. Drifter's going to walk over behind Siegfried and uh, put his hand on his shoulder and say, it's okay, I've got this, and pull the knife out in front of him. He, uh, he stops your hand. He says, it's my burden to bear. And he takes it. He goes over to her, looks almost sorry, but he grabs her by the hair. No! Siegfried! He takes the knife and slices her throat. The same sort of black Icarus blood pours out from the wound. It begins bubbling like the demonic corruption that consumed pride during his death. Lola drops to her knees. The body is consumed in this demonic flame until all that remains is the glowing incarnation of all of the faith that people had in charity. I crumple. Drifter's going to whisper, the only good god is a dead god. Siegfried takes the knife, places it back in its sheath. He doesn't pick up, for lack of a better word, the soul, and he walks out. Drifter will follow behind Siegfried. Josh is going to uh, have, he, he's actually going to rip off his helmet in a rare burst of emotion, uh, and he's going to turn to uh, Lola, and he's going to say, we have a job to do. Let's do it. I use my strength to push him away. I don't think Josh has much fight in him. Let me be. And I get up. I gather myself up and I walk to the desecrated, corrupted corpse of an angel. And I... I'm desolate. Josh will put his, his, his hand near Lola. Yeah, and 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 uh he'll maybe shake a little bit more than he was already to outwardly indicate that he is crying at the moment, overwhelmed, overcome with emotion uh at the situation that he's a party to. And he will uh very slowly and shakily start to gather up the faith that's floating around i don't know exactly what does that look like exactly is he it's like an incandescent ball of light so you he just kind of put it into like a jar yeah so he'll he'll take out a take out some jars and start putting it in uh very slowly josh you've done your duty the job is done leave me and i will collect the faith Slow. it's all i can do he'll put the jar on the ground and walk out. So I think after a moment of just numbness, of acute grief, then nothing. Lola collects the faith as well as she can. And she knows she's already complicit in what's happened here. But she's going to glance around the haven of this angel before she departs. What does she see? You see on the table a note with an unmistakable eye that is bleeding. You pick it up. It confirms everything that Righteousness was saying. It seems to be a contract of, of, this, of those three people and the other to recruit a killer to do the job. What does the room look like? The room is kind of something you would expect a child to enjoy. It's very light colors. There's a lot of kind of whizzing and whirring objects that almost seem toy-like. You see paintings of charity being amongst people. But you definitely notice something very different about this temple from the other ones. It's by far the smallest. It's by far the least worshipped towards. And it's pretty clear after collecting all of Charity's faith, that she barely had enough to fill a jar. Um, well, I take the note, and I take a picture hanging from the wall of Charity, and I leave. I will, to speak with righteousness myself. You go in. Upon seeing you, they let you pass. You even go, Minerva. Even Minerva. Is she still fiddling with her nails? 
she kind of looks up, looks at like your outfit, and she's like, mm, those shoes with that top, you feel that she's just despicable. I look humorlessly. I stare deeply into her sunken eyes, and I, I walk past her. You enter into Righteousness' office. He's not alone. There's another angel there, too. It's Greed. She's sitting lazily at his desk, um, and they turn to look at you, and she says, You're not really what we were expecting, but I suppose you'll do. Do you have the uh, faith? And she holds out her hand. I'm not here to speak with you, Greed. I'll let that transgression slide. Righteousness holds out his hand and gives for the faith. It was not right. It it's was not, not for you to decide. I... Be careful with your words. One might consider it heresy. I breathe respectfully. I am disappointed with this mission, but... I have complied. Here is the faith. Here is the evidence of her wrongdoing. Here is the symbol that haunts me, follows us, is not explained. And yet, here it all is, righteousness. Seems fairly cut and dry. Thank you very much. He takes it, kind of unceremoniously, picks out a device from his chest, and screws the jar onto the bottom of it. Kind of looks like a very large mechanical cigar, honestly. He passes it to Greed, who then inhales deeply on it, sucking up all of the faith, and then exhales nothing but blackness. She says, Hmm, now that wasn't so bad. It's like she's here with us now. Oh, you may go. As I um, watch this inhalation of faith mm -hmm. faith of her followers and watch it just evaporate into the air I look into Greed's eyes and I ask do you feel nothing for what's happened does she not mean anything to you not as just an angel a peer among gods but as a friend as anything Roll a insight check. That's a net oh, one. Oh no! She seems completely impassive about this. She doesn't even respond to you, and you leave. We'll go now to Drifter. Drifter, it's you and Siegfried. Oddly enough, you're standing at a balcony, high in the tower. Siegfried's a bit out of it. Do you say anything to him? I see this has affected you. He doesn't respond. In the work of angels, men are only pawns. The gods play their game, and we pay the price. I think you were right in what you did, even if it doesn't feel so. Drifter, all I know is, after this, I need answers. I want answers. I have to have them. And that's why I'm going to stay. What we're doing is important. I hope you know that. Drifter, there's a oracle slightly outside of the city. I think we should go to her. I never much believe in fate, but I'll follow you. Join us again for the thrilling conclusion of Act One, Summer in episode 10, The Oracle.